Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Joy Gruitz. Good morning. It is so good to be here on a Sunday morning before Thanksgiving. You know, it's hard for me to believe that Thanksgiving is just days away. And as I was preparing for this series on the Dream Church, because it's Thanksgiving, I began to think about what would be my dream Thanksgiving dinner. And I'm not talking about what would be the dream food because it's always turkey, right? But I started to think about who would be that dream guest from the Bible besides Jesus Who would be that dream guest that I would want to join me at that Thanksgiving table? And I thought it was such an intriguing idea. I emailed Pastor Tony and I said, who would you and Therese like to have for Thanksgiving dinner? And their choice was the Apostle Paul. And Pastor Tony said the reason why is that it would be so great to sit down with Paul and hear him expound on the deep revelations and truths that the Lord Jesus Christ revealed to Paul. But he said it would also be this opportunity to thank Paul for his commitment and devotion to spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. Because you see, we are here in this American church because Paul was willing to endure all the suffering and all the persecution and still send that message of Jesus Christ beyond the walls of Jerusalem into the Gentile nations. Well, Pastor Tony gave me such a good answer. I thought, what about Pastor Chris and Megan? And Pastor Chris responded that they would like King Solomon. I guess they would like royalty at their table. And so he said the reason why is that if Solomon is the wisest man on earth or was the wisest man on earth, wouldn't it be great to sit down and pick his brain for some really good nuggets of wisdom that we could use in our world today? That was a good choice, right? Well, then I thought, what about our worship leader, Phil Smith? Who would he and Emily? Does anyone want to guess who who Phil would choose? David, of course. But what was interesting is that it wasn't that Phil wanted David at his table so so that David could pull out his harp and Phil would have his guitar and they could begin to have this worship time of praise unto our God. But he said the real reason would be he would like to thank God for showing, or thank, um, thank David for showing us how God can use an imperfect man and how, how he pursued God in all seasons of his life, through the highs and through the lows. Now for me, now if it were a Christmas dinner, hands down it would be the mother of Mary. I mean, wouldn't you like to sit down and have her begin to talk to you and share with you all the stories about what it was like raising Jesus? I mean, what were those moments when Jesus began to realize who he was and what he was destined to do? But because it's Thanksgiving dinner, like Phil, my dream guest would be King David. And the reason why is that even though he was an imperfect man, he had such a heart of gratitude for our perfect God. Gratitude that is so eloquently expressed in the Psalms that he penned, and gratitude is such an important quality if we are to be a dream church. 
You know, it's interesting that of the 73 Psalms that are attributed to David, over 20 of them instruct us to express our gratitude to God with praise and thanksgiving. Look what it says in Psalm 95. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with the music and song. In chapter 20, 92, it says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to the Most High. In yet another psalm, he says, Enter into his gates with what? Thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. Over and over again, David is encouraging us, instructing us to praise and thank our God. And I believe that his burning desire to express his gratitude through praise and thanksgiving was birthed out of David's genuine awe of God. David was in awe of our God. He was in awe of God as his Savior. In Psalm 18, he says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and what? My Savior in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. He was also in awe of God as his creator. He says, for the Lord is a great God. He holds in his hand the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands formed the dry land to come. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is God. And it is with this awe of God that David had that he, he posed this question. In Psalm 8, he says, When I consider your heavens... The work of your hands, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care about them? In the message translation, which is a paraphrase, paraphrase translation, this same verse is poetically written. It says, I look at your macro skies, dark and enormous, your handmade sky jewelry, moon and stars mounted in their settings, then I look at my micro self and wonder, why do you bother with us? Why take a second look our way? David was in awe of God. And we, like David, as we begin to contemplate the greatness of God, the majesty of God, the awesomeness of our God, when we contemplate that we get to spend eternity in his presence, when we contemplate how we can have a personal relationship with Almighty God on this side of heaven, when we contemplate all of the blessings he has given to us, like David, we too can pose that question, why does this macro God care about the micro us. Why bother? Why are we loved and seen and chosen by him? Well, David, as he contemplated the awe of God, he had yet another question. He said in Psalm 116, what can I offer the Lord for all that he has done for me? It's a question we too can ask. 
What can I offer the Lord for all he has done for me? You see, the great creator who by his will and his very breath created the heavens and the earth, what can we offer him? This God who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to redeem us, what can we offer him? How? How can we express our gratitude? Well, David, in the very next verse, provides us with an answer, that same answer that he put in those 20 Psalms. In verse 13 of that same chapter, he says, I will lift up the cup of salvation and I will praise the Lord's name for saving me. Then I will offer you a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. If we want to be a dream church, we can express our gratitude to God with our praise and with a sacrifice of thanksgiving. You see, David isn't the only one who gives us this instruction. Throughout the New Testament, the apostles tell us to do the same. Ephesians 5, 19, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.16, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to the Lord with thankful hearts. And then in Hebrews 12, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and what? Worship. Worship God acceptably, how? With reverence and awe. What can we offer the Lord for all that he has done for us? We can express our awe with a heart of gratitude, with words of praise and a sacrifice of thanksgiving, and to see just how important it is that we express our gratitude to God. We can turn to an event that occurred in the life of Jesus. We read about it in Luke 17. You see, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, on his way to accomplishing that destiny on the cross. And as he is traveling on his way to Jerusalem, he's at the border of Samaria and Galilee. And there's a town there, and he's just about to enter into that town when from a distance, there's a group of men huddled together. And from the distance, they are shouting to Jesus, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And the reason these ten men are not approaching Jesus but staying at a distance is because these ten men are lepers. You see, in those days, according to Levitical law, if you had the disease of leprosy, you were to live outside the city in what were called leper colonies. You were not to touch anyone. You were not to give, get near anyone. And if you happen to be in a situation where you had to move among people, then as you walked, you had to shout, not just say it, you had to shout, I'm unclean. Can you imagine? Everywhere you went, you declared that you were unclean. You know, as difficult as quarantining and putting masks has been to, for us during COVID-19, can you imagine what it must have been like to be a leper, and everywhere you moved, you had to say, I'm unclean. You see, they no longer could live with their families. They could no longer work in their jobs. 
They could no longer worship in the temple or be taught in the synagogues. They were social outcasts, and for the rest of their lives, they were destined to live rejected, desolate lives. In addition to all of the social isolation and rejection, they also had to cope with this deforming disease. You see, leprosy was a voracious bacteria that attacked the skin tissue. It would create lesions on the skin with oozing sores. It would destroy the skin tissue and destroy the nerve endings. And there would develop awful deformities, especially of your limbs, your, your fingers, your hands, your nose, your ears, so that people with leprosy, they had this unearthly look about them. So here we have these 10 lepers coping with the physical effects of this disease, but also the social isolation and stigma of leprosy. You see, we have medications now to manage this disease, but in those days, there was no hope. There was no solution. They were living the life of the living dead, and there was no future, no hope, except to watch your body waste away. And so here are these 10 men, nine Jews and one Samaritan, huddled together, crying out in desperation that this man Jesus, this man Jesus whom they had heard could perform miracles. They had heard how he had caused the lame to walk and the blind to see and the deaf to hear. So certainly there is hope that maybe he could heal them. So they cried out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus did. He moved with compassion. Look at what he says to these ten lepers. Go show yourselves to the priests. Now, we may find that a very curious response. We would have expected Jesus to say what? Be healed. But he says, go show yourselves to the priests. But you see, that response was not curious to those 10 lepers. They knew that when Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest, that meant they would be healed. You see, according to Levitical law, anyone who had a skin disease and was deemed unclean, even when they were healed, they couldn't just go back into society. No, they had to go to the priest, and the priest would examine them, and then the priest would declare you clean. Then you could go back, return to your family, return to your home, worship in the synagogue, or be taught in the synagogue and worship in the temple. So these 10 men, when they heard those words, they turned and they headed for that city. They were going on their way to see the priests. And it says, on their way, they were healed. On their way, they were healed. Can you imagine the joy? Can you imagine the relief, the wonderment that suddenly all those deformities disappeared? Suddenly their skin was clean. They were now, they could now return to the life of the living. They were healed. But there was one of the lepers, a Samaritan, who on his way to the priest with those other nine, when he realized that suddenly he was healed, he stopped and he turned and he went back to Jesus. And the Bible says that, uh, let's look at verse 15 of Luke 17. It says, and then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus, what? Shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground 
at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he done, had done. The amplified translation of this verse says that this leper, when he knelt at the feet of Jesus, it says, I quote, that he praised God over and over and over again. It was so emphatic. And then Jesus says, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? You can hear the disappointment in those words of Jesus. Where are the other nine? But notice, Jesus did not say, where are the other nine and why didn't they come back to thank me? What did he say? Why didn't they come back to what? Give glory to God. And that's key. You see, Jesus was disappointed because they, these nine missed the opportunity to glorify God by expressing their gratitude to the one who was their healer. They were so caught up in the joy of their healing that they failed to glorify God by whose power they had been healed. To glorify God with that offering of praise and thanksgiving. And church, that is an important lesson for us to grasp as a dream church. To thank God with our praise and thanksgiving you see, isn't something, you know, giving our praise and thanksgiving to God isn't something that God needs because there's some kind of lack in God, that there's this hole in God and that we have to fill it with our praise and thanksgiving. No, our God has no lack. He is complete in himself. He is complete in his triunity. Giving God the glory with a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving isn't something God needs, but it is something that is due him. Amen. It is due him because of who he is. Right now, there's a 95-year-old elderly woman who lives in an island country on the other side of the Atlantic. And if you are a citizen of that country... And if this woman were to walk into this room and you were to meet her, if you were a man, you would be expected to bow. If you're a woman, you would be expected to curtsy. If you had the opportunity to engage in a conversation with her, she would have to speak first before you could speak. If you had the opportunity to walk with her, you really couldn't walk shoulder to shoulder. You'd have to walk a few steps behind. Now, why is such deference and honor given to this elderly woman? It isn't because she's the smartest woman on earth. It isn't because she's the most accomplished. It isn't because she is perfect. It is because of who she is. Her name is Elizabeth, and she is the Queen of England. And it is because of the position that she holds that all of this honor is due her. Well, church, our God is not a king of some small island nation. Our God is king of kings, Lord of lords, almighty God. And there is glory that is due him. And listen, 
and we have the honor, we have the privilege of offering unto him praise and thanksgiving as an expression of our gratitude, and that brings glory to our God that is due him. Gratitude to the one who loves us, sees us, and has chosen us. You know, in the book of Leviticus, the Lord talks about the sacrifices that he instituted for the nation of Israel. And one of the sacrifices that he set forth for them to observe was called the sacrifice of thanksgiving or a thanksgiving offering. And the purpose of this offering was to show gratitude to the Lord. So if an Israelite wanted to make this thanksgiving offering, he would bring a lamb or a goat along with loaves of leavened and unleavened bread to the priest in Jerusalem. And according to Jewish tradition, that would involve 30 loaves of unleavened bread and 10 loaves of leavened bread. So the meat of an animal and all of these loaves of bread. Now the purpose of this Thanksgiving offering was this, for the Israelite to show gratitude to God. And it was a sacrifice that was voluntary. It wasn't an offering like the sin offering or the guilt offering that was required for everyone to do on a certain day of the week or a certain time of the year. No, a thanksgiving offering was voluntary and it was always as an expression of the Israelite desire to, to give thanks to the Lord. It's whenever they had that need or desire to express their gratitude to God. Well, after a portion of that meat and the bread was offered unto God, and a portion of that meat and the bread was given to the priest, the rest of the meat and the rest of the loaves of bread were then given back to that Israelite. And then, according to tradition, then that Israelite would host a Thanksgiving feast with the bread of that animal, or with the meat of that animal and the loaves of that bread, they would sit down with their family and their friends. They would even invite strangers. And the purpose of that Thanksgiving meal was to have them remember and remind themselves of the goodness of God in their lives. So whenever we feel a need or desire to express our gratitude to God, we too can give a sacrifice of thanksgiving unto him. Fortunately, we don't have to have the meat of an animal. We don't have to bake all those loaves of bread. All we have to do is glorify him with words of praise and thanksgiving, just like David did. Just like that leper did, we praise God with our words. We express our gratitude with our words of praise and thanksgiving. But we also, when we offer that sacrifice of thanksgiving, can express our gratitude by what we do. And again, we turn to David to show us the way. You see, in the years, the latter years of David's reign, he began to reflect upon all the good things that God had done for him. And although he had penned all of these psalms, expressing with his words his thankfulness, David wanted to do something. He wanted his sacrifice of thanksgiving. He wanted to be expressed by action, something he could do. 
Well, one day he was noticing or just reflecting how here he was in this beautiful, splendorous palace, living in, in the beauty of this palace. And he said, but the Ark of the Covenant, where God's presence is, is still just in a tent. It's still just in a tabernacle. So David said in his heart, I'm going to build God this most beautiful temple in Jerusalem. Well, that night, God gave the prophet Nathan some instructions. And he said to Nathan, I am pleased that David wants to build this temple, this holy temple in Jerusalem for me, to glorify me. But he said the problem is David has been a warrior and his life has been just filled with bloodshed. And this is going to be a holy temple for my holy presence. And so David is not the one that I'm choosing to build that temple. I am going to choose his son Solomon. So now Nathan has to go to King David. The next morning said, David, God is really pleased that you want to build this temple. But David, God doesn't want you to build this temple. He's giving that task to your son. And this is what I love about David. When he learned that what he wanted to do for God wasn't what God wanted him to do, he didn't shut down, he didn't get offended, he didn't say, well, I tried, I'll just do something else. Instead, David put his heart and soul into doing everything in his power to ensure that Solomon would be successful in completing what God wanted Solomon to do. This way, this would be the way that David would express his thankfulness and glorify God. And from this point on, until his death, David expended all of his energy on making preparations that Solomon would need to build that temple. He began first by asking God for the building plan. And so he went to the great architect, and God gave him a plan. It says in 1 Chronicles, every part of the plan was given to me in writing from the hand of the Lord. And then David began to focus on gathering all the resources Solomon would need so Solomon could be successful. David collected stone and cedar logs from Lebanon, 4,000 tons of gold, 40,000 tons of silver, iron and bronze. He even contracted all of the craftsmen that were going to be needed, stone cutters, carpenters, goldsmiths, silversmiths. He even put together a plan for the temple assignments. Who would be the, the priests who would minister at the altar? Who would be the gatekeepers? Who would lead worship and be musicians? Who would lead and take care of the treasury? And then in 1 Chronicle 29, he says, using every resource, he gathered all the people together and he says, using every resource at my command, I have gathered as much as I could for the building of the temple of my God. And now, because of my devotion to the temple of my God, I am giving all of my own private treasuries of gold and silver to help in the construction. See, David had given of the national treasures, but now he says, I'm giving of my own treasures. He had 112 tons of gold, 262 tons of silver. And then David says, now who will follow my example? And with these words, the Bible says the people responded and they gave freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. See, everything that David did in preparation for building this temple 
to ensure that Solomon would complete the task that God had assigned him was an expression of his gratitude to God. You see, words, genuine words of gratitude are important. Offering a sacrifice of praise as David did as he penned those psalms and as those leopards did when, they, when he said, praise God. All of that is important and necessary, but we must also recognize the importance of expressing our gratitude by putting our thankfulness into action, glorifying God with actions of gratitude. This is why Give Back Sunday was so important. You see, when we give, it is an expression of our gratitude to God. You see, we may not have been called to establish an orphanage or a medical center in Haiti. You may not have been called to pick up a shovel and go dig a water well in Cambodia. You may not have been called to establish a mission for the homeless in South Africa or a ministry to help heal broken marriages or support someone that has mental health or a, uh, an organization to care for the seniors that are, that are vulnerable. You may not have been called to establish those ministries, but we are all called to be able to support them as an expression of our gratitude to God, as a way in which we glorify God. You see, when we give, God does this incredible thing. He sets into motion this principle of blessing, right? If I give, God says, I'm going to take what you give and cause it to be a blessing back to you. But I want, what I want you to get a hold of this morning, which I think is, embodies what a dream church should possess, is that we don't just give so this principle of blessing is set into motion in our lives. But what is more important, that when we give, it is an expression of our gratitude to God, and it's a way I can glorify him. You see, when we, when we begin to look at our giving as a way in which we can glorify God, then it takes away those feelings of this is a duty, this is an obligation. It takes it away from, well, I'm doing it only because that's what the Bible tells us to do. And it takes us into this realm of I get to glorify God by what I give. And you know what? Then you truly become that cheerful giver. But this sacrifice of thanksgiving isn't just when we give financially. Do you know David's greatest sacrifice is that he gave of himself? He gave of his time, he gave of his energy, he gave of his, his skills. And we can do the same. There are ministries here in CCC that you can give of yourself as unto the Lord. There are local outreach ministries you can give of yourself. And you can do it as a way to glorify your God. You see, we can express our gratitude to God and glorify him with our words of praise, but also by our actions. Now, in preparation for the worship team to come, this morning, what I'd like you to do, think about, are three ways in which you could verbalize your words of thanksgiving to God. Because 
when the worship team comes, they're going to lead us in a song called Thank You. And as we sing the songs that are the words that are on the screen, they're words that, that are going to help us express our gratitude to God. But there's going to come a point in this song where there are not going to be any words on the screen. And the instruments, they're just going to play. And in that moment, each one of us is going to be able to express our thankfulness, our gratitude to God with a word or words of thanksgiving. You see, you can say, thank you, Lord, for being my savior. Thank you for being my redeemer. Thank you for being my comforter, my friend, my protector, my provider. You can thank God for his mercy, for his compassion, for his forgiveness. You can thank God for what he has done for you, for an answered prayer. But right now, each one of you, I want you to think of three things where I can say, thank you, Lord, for. Thank you, Lord, that you are my. And during that time, during that music interlude, you can say it, you can sing it, you can shout it, but I want you to voice it. Don't just think it. I want you to express it. Because when we express our praise to God, it's a way we can glorify him. The one, this macro God who cares about the micro us. The one who loves us, has sees us, and he has chosen us. It's a way we get to glorify him. So as the worship team comes, <laughs> they're coming, right? Because you don't want to hear me sing. That is my first assignment. My second assignment is this. You see, my background is as a teacher, and so I'm giving you some homework as well. We got some work to do here, and then we're going to do some homework, and this is your homework. Between sometime this afternoon, before Thanksgiving Day, I want you to find a quiet place all by yourself. Even it means you have to get in your car and shut the door. That's your quiet place. And I want you once again, just like we're going to do in a few minutes, I want you to take some time and with your words, thank this awesome God of ours. Thank him from your heart for who he is and what he's done for you. And then after you have this time of just thanking God, giving to him this sacrifice, then what I want you to do is to ask him, what is one way, one way over the course of the next few weeks where I can put my thanksgiving into action? I can give of myself in some way as an expression of my gratitude to God. I want to read this last quote. It's from a professor of theology. Her name is Joy Mosberger, and this is what she says. A true act of thankfulness sends out gentle ripples of joy and gratitude that continue to expand. And what does it do? It brings glory to God 
and blessings to others. You see, Jesus no longer stands outside that Galilean town searching for the thankful hearts of nine healed men, but the Lord still searches. Not because he lacks anything, but he still searches for those who will glorify God with a sacrifice of thanksgiving with their words and by their actions. Let's be that dream church today who embraces this truth that we have the privilege and the honor to glorify God with our words and actions of gratitude. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.